How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, how's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we've got my new friend all the way from Australia, Ari Galper. Now, Ari is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling and the creator of Unlock the Game, a new sales mindset and approach that overturns the notion of selling as we know it today. Having worked with companies like Citibank, Telstra, General Electric, UPS, and Qualcomm, and with over 74,000 subscribers and clients in over 35 countries, Unlock the Game has become the most successful trust-based selling approach of our time. Ari has been featured in Inc., CNN, Sky News, and has shared stages with people like Tony Robbins, Joe Theismann, Dan Kennedy, Joan Rivers, Frank Kern, and many others. On top of it all, as you'll hear in this episode... He's an amazing dad and family man, too. In this episode, we're going to dig into the mute button mistake that changed his life, the three biggest sales myths and why so many people hate sales. We're going to talk about how the ancient martial art of Aikido can help you master your sales conversations and the biggest life lessons he's learned from his son, Toby, who was born with Down syndrome. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to it on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from our podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com and grab a copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And today we've got my new friend all the way from Bondi Beach, Australia, Ari Galper. Ari, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Of course, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one because you are a master uh, in a space that I'm hugely passionate about, the area of sales, but not just sales, specifically uh, you know, I kind of refer it as like the the new age sales or sales 2.0, uh, you know, really trust-based selling. Um, so I'd really love to just kind of dig into, uh, you know, you are the number one uh, trusted advisor in the trust-based selling world. Uh, as we're doing this interview right now, I'd love to dig into how you actually got into this space and what trust-based selling actually is. Sure, sure. So there's a story behind this I'll share with you now. It'll give you some context behind how I invented this, this concept um, around deep trust in the sales process and why it's doing so well. It actually was 20 years ago. I was a sales manager in a software company, and we launched the first online website tracking tools. Now it's called Google Analytics. I'm sure you've heard of that before. <laughs> yeah. But uh, back then, it actually cost money. And uh, I was managing 18 people underneath me, 18 salespeople. And the big leads came across my desk, the big opportunities. 
And this one phone call, phone call came through. I got the call and then uh, had a chat with this gentleman. It's a big company, multiple websites. If I close this one sale, it would literally double the revenue of the company in one transaction. That's how big it was. So this guy agrees to a conference call and a demo to see our product. And um, finally, it came Friday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm in the conference room with my CEO. I close the door behind me, big, long conference table. In the middle of the table is the old school speaker phones. You know, the three legs on it, Star Trek looking phones. Yep. And so I hit the dial tone. I dialed the number. By the way, by the way that's that's the old Cisco phone that I used to sell while I was. That's at true. Cisco. That is so. That was, so that was funny. my product that I was selling. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we had that. All right. I love it. And um, hit the dial tone, and uh, he picks it up. He's like, "Hey, Ari, how's it going?" I said, "Great, good." And so we, um, he, I, you know, he says, "Look, Ari, let us tell you who's on the phone with us today." I was like, oh, great. Didn't realize there'd be someone else there. Next thing I hear is, my name is Mike. I'm CEO. I was like, oh, this is good. My name's Chris. I'm head of global IT. Even better. My name's Julian, head of marketing. Amazing. I mean, everybody on this call was a decision maker. Like, yeah. it's going to happen. It's going to happen today because they're all there. So I introduced myself. Uh, I described what we do. Had them log in to the web, and I started to show them a live demo of our product on their website live, showing them all the live data coming through. And I'm, I'm showing this to them, and I start hearing this noise on the phone call, like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. They start asking me all kinds of questions. How, do, how does it work? How do we install it? You know, what's the code like? You know, And, of course, I had all the answers. I was, I was answering the questions. There was so much chemistry on this phone call, Xander. It was like a love fest on the phone. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Like, they got the questions. You got the answer. You're saying to yourself, this is so You're, you're really feeling it, yeah. There's no resistance. This is like the dream come true. This is like the life-changing sales call, if all goes as planned, which was going fine. And so we had this amazing call. Hour goes by. Call comes to a close. My guy says to me, Ari, this is amazing. We love it. Look, give us a call a couple of weeks. Follow up with us. And we'll move this thing forward. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, I was so happy. And so I said my goodbyes. I took my, my hand. And I reached for the speakerphone. And I was just so in the daze with the call. I kind of, like, turned my arm and I hit, by accident, I hit the mute button instead of the off button. Wow. And a small click happened in that split second. And they thought I hung up the phone. And before I could reach for the off button... They started talking amongst themselves thinking I left the call. Yeah. And that split second, a voice inside of me said, Ari, go to the dark side. Be a fly in the wall. Go where no one's ever gone in the world of sales before, ever. So I pulled my thumb back for a couple of seconds. They started talking amongst themselves thinking I had left the call. So well, this is not a trick question. What would you expect them to say after a call like that from your experience? What would you expect to have heard on a call after such great accolades? I mean, you know, it's you'd, you'd, you'd expect them to be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Can't, you know, so excited to move this forward. Let's go talk to blah, blah, blah. Let's finalize this and let's, you know, let's put a plan to plan in motion to get back to Ari so we can get this moving forward in the next couple of weeks or something. Absolutely. That's what you'd expect. And and that's what I was hoping to hear, but let me share with you what I heard verbatim, word for word. I'll never forget it, but we're all here today. What they said was this. They said, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace 
else cheaper. Wow. Knife and heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I snapped out of it, hit the off button, flew the wall and said to myself, what did I do wrong? Yeah. I was competent, technically. I was professional. I wasn't aggressive. I did everything I was taught to do by the sales gurus. I had the books at home on my shelves. I was a student. I had the CDs in my car. But I, I was doing everything I was taught to do. And then the big, big epiphany hit me, and that was this. Somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth. I was going to say, to just to lie. To when, yeah, when it's in a sales conversation. Yeah, it's okay to say anything like, sounds good. Send me information. Oh, yeah. we're definitely interested. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Send us a what? Proposal. Send us, send us an, yeah, send us a proposal or an RFP or something. Yeah. Right. With no intention of buying. And I was saying to myself, whoa, how, how is this even happening? What's, what's so crazy? Yeah. What's crazy about that is like, as I'm thinking about this, it's like, I bet even people that would be like so in integrity and never lie anywhere else would lie in a sales conversation. Correct. And I said to myself, this is so wrong. Yeah. I wasn't brought up this way. I, I can't. This is not acceptable. Yeah. I got to make a change here. And I, and I asked myself, why were they afraid to just tell me the truth? Yeah. I'd be okay with that if I knew where I stood. And I realized that there's an invisible river of pressure that flows underneath every sales call you have with someone in your sales process. And unless you're aware and consciously aware of that pressure and taking it out of the process, you'll always be fighting resistance. And they'll always be holding back from you the truth because they're trying to protect themselves from being sold and they don't trust you enough to tell you everything. So I yeah. said to myself, how can I craft a code on this thing? How can I just shift the whole way of thinking on this? I developed my own mindset uh, shift called Unlock the Game where the concept is you don't focus anymore on the end goal of the sale. You focus on, only on building Deep vulnerability where they feel comfortable opening up to you. Honesty. Telling you the truth up front. Yeah. And that became my whole online thinking system for the last 20 years. You know, helped a lot of people be successful. But it, it's a whole mindset shift and a whole language shift, which we're talking about today to really to 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 change the game. Yeah, let's let's just dig right into that. That sounds that sounds like a great idea to me. I mean, so obviously there's clearly some some big mistakes that people make in uh, in the sales space, what are, what are some of the big mistakes or biggest myths, I guess, uh, about what you need to do to sell properly and, and how should people actually behaving? Sure, sure. So there are some major, see, we're so conditioned to sell how we've been taught to sell. Yeah. That we're also sleepwalking during our sales conversations and doing things we shouldn't be doing. I'll give you a couple examples of one classic myth. And I'm sure you know this one too, that sales is a numbers game, yeah. right? Remember that from the old days? Yeah. Right, the more contacts you make, the more sales you're supposed to make. Well, we discover in this economy now, with all that's going on in the world, it's not about how many contacts you make anymore. It's about how deep yeah. you go on each conversation, not how many contacts you make. That's yeah. the first myth. The second myth is the idea that the sale is lost at the end of the process. You know, at the close. Well, we discovered in this economy now, the sale is not lost anymore at the end of the process. It's now lost at the beginning. At hello. And I'll prove to you right now in a fun way. If someone calls your office tomorrow morning, you pick up the phone and you hear, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? Uh, telemarketer, salesperson. 
It's over <laughs> at hello. Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting that your folks make outbound calls. Maybe they do. But what I'm going to make the case for today is that most of your listeners are losing their opportunities, not at the end of the process. They're losing it where? Right in the beginning. At the beginning. At hello. How do, you, how, how do you suggest you start that call for most people then? Okay. Right. So so most people do it the way they've been training for years, which is the whole intro thing. Yep. And then it's over because they associate you immediately with they've, the stereotype. They've immediately closed off. Their walls are up. You've got nothing. It's over. Yeah. So well, we have a different approach. So we start the conversation like this. Uh, hi, Xander. My name's Ari. And I'm hoping you can help me out for a moment. I'm interested. And then your instinct is going to say, how can I help you? Yeah. <laughs> because that's called a two-way dialogue at hello. That's how you create a connection rather than the pitch. Because it's not about the solution. It's about the problem. Then you go, yeah, we can go deeper than that. But that's how you initiate. The third, the third myth is the idea that rejection is part of the sales game. You yeah. can't take a no. If you're not thick-skinned, if you're not tough enough, you're not made for success. Remember those days, yep. the old sales manager that got beat up? He's like, hey, if you can't take a couple of hits, you can't make it in my world. Well, we discovered that rejection actually is triggered by certain things you say and do unconsciously that cause the other person to push back on you. And I'll walk through some of those today as well. I love that. Uh, any other any other myths? I think I got three major ones there, but that's that's awesome. Those are the major ones that hold people back because they're still defining selling as a as pushing through resistance. Yeah, they view it as a burden, as hard as you know, just yeah, the numbers game, and that that's that's what's killing people right now. So let's let's talk about rejection because I think rejection, and I mean this will probably apply to let, much more than just sales. I think because rejection. You know, obviously rejection is a much bigger thing than just in, you know, professional sales conversations. But tell me about that. So you say something that causes somebody to push back and create this rejection moment. Can you expand on that? I'll give you an example. So we have a whole body of work around how to diffuse objections and re-engage again to not avoid to avoid rejection. So let me give you an example. Let's say someone says to you a classic one like, Zandy, your 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 fee is too high. Yeah. But let's say you sell coaching consulting or something like that. Yep. And they say to you, because that's exactly what we sell. So, oh, okay. Oh, didn't know that. <laughs> okay. So they say to you, your, your, your fees is a bit too high for us. Your price is too high. Yeah. Which is a pretty common objection in most high ticket <laughs> sales. What, what, what's the typical response to that that people would do when they hear your price is too high? What, what would they do or what would, our well, what, what, would you, what would someone do in, in that? How would they res most people respond to that objection? Would you say in general? Oh, that's a good, good question. Or how would you, how would you respond to that? Someone says your fee is too high. Uh, we don't. We don't get that objection. <laughs> well, let's just let's just say you did, or let's say someone else did. How? What would you imagine the typical response to that would be? Yeah. So so if they're yeah. So if, if somebody's getting that that objection, um, you know, most of the time, you know, they they need to dig back into what the value of the actual conversation or what the value of the actual offer, service, or program or product or actually actually was. Well, you, what usually happens is is yeah. either a fight or flight response. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, because as soon as they as soon as they object, basically what's happening is like whatever rapport you had, there's an instant 
you know, Nick or Slash and rapport and that wall starts to come back up, the emotional disconnect, Correct. The emotional disconnect begins to happen. That's where the rejection process begins. And then what we do is we try and overcome the objection. Yeah. Or we retreat. Yep. That's our fight or flight. We say, well, hey, we're worth it. And hey, let me show you our testimony. Oh, we've been out 20. We, we defend ourselves or we say, okay, what price would you prefer? Yeah. Or we just kind of cave in because we don't know any difference between the two. We just stick on the both ends. So we have a middle ground with our approach where our goal is to fuse and re-engage with trust, not break the trust right there in the process. So if someone says your fee is high, our approach is you're absolutely right. Yeah. Just reconnect. Well, we're not done yet, but we're getting yeah. there. Okay. You're absolutely right here it comes it can be perceived as high if you haven't had a chance actually use the service or use a product or work with us to see the result there's no doubt about that from the outside in it can be perceived that way yeah now there's more coming but that's that's how you diffuse and they go what the heck just happened i tried to push them away and he's what the now they're, they're confused now. And then you say, the last thing I want to do is try and convince you, persuade you something you don't want to do. Then I'd say, but would you be open? That's a bridging phrase back in. To a different perspective on how to approach this or build the business case around this so it makes sense for, for you. Would you be open to that? So that's how you diffuse or re-engage without fight or flight and create a rejection. Is this, uh, it, it's so funny because this is, that's, you know, the, the diffuse is something that we actually teach our clients, but obviously you just did it in a much more masterful way. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, it, it reminds me of, um, you know, there's a, I remember one of my mentors, uh, Jack Canfield, he talks about, you know, when two people are in a confrontation, there's, you know, two people pushing each other on stage and two people pushing, and if one person pushes harder, the other person pushes harder, and the other, and, and you know, that's, it's never gonna end well that way, right? And if all you did, if all you did was just kind of pull in and let that person kind of just come to you slowly, like all of a sudden you guys are hugging, right? And yeah, like, in fact, in fact, I use the metaphor of Aikido, if you know Japanese martial art. Yeah. Where, where someone comes at you and as an attack, you're not, you don't try and, and, and resist the you attack. Don't you don't force back. Yeah, you, you deflect and diffuse their energy so at the end no one gets hurt. It's, I've taken the same metaphor, applied it to trust-based selling, and I've built a whole language set around how to activate that in real time. My head of sales is going to love you. I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce him to your stuff. Um, this is this is really solid stuff, man. Um, I so couple couple of questions that I have uh, around this whole sales process. Now, obviously, you built a lot of this sales process specifically working with. Um, you know, organizations, big companies, can this work just as well for, let's say the agency owner or the, uh, um, the, the solopreneur coach consultant, what advice would you have for learning, you know, some of this stuff? If you're a, if you're a new entrepreneur in that space, yeah, mo most of our work is with, uh, yeah. entrepreneurs, advisors, consultants, really, this is designed for if you're in a low volume, high price point. Yeah. High margin, high trust business. That's where this really shines. If yeah. you're in a high volume, low price point business, it's transactional. Really, it's not going to work very well because it doesn't yeah. really apply. So if you're an entrepreneur or you have your uh, consultant advisor and all you need is a few, three or four clients a month, you'd be ecstatic. 
and you're not converting them, this is where this is like closed loop on that because this is designed to build trust quickly. And here's the key, without chasing people for multiple steps and forcing yourself to have to play that game with them and follow up with them and degrade your authority. Yeah, I love that. It's it's interesting because this is, you know, it's kind of how I started my business because when I used to work for Cisco, I had $130 million quota and rather than go chasing every 100K deal, you know, I was like, my clients were Disney, Facebook, Verizon, NBC. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, instead of trying to hit all these 100K deals, I'm going to put my energy into, like you mentioned, really building a close relationship, an honest, open relationship, and, you know, getting one or two of those big, you know, 10, 20, $30 million deals from each of those companies. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that they have to play the volume game, like you mentioned. It's, I got to get numbers. I got to, uh, I got to face rejection. All the things that you just mentioned. I think that might yeah, be because they because they believe, yeah, that their success is based on more leads. Yeah. What we discovered is, you got to fix the conversion problem first before you get more yeah. leads. You got to figure out why you're chasing people, why they're not converting on their first. I'm working on a new book right now called The One Call Sale, coming out later on next year, nice. which teaches people how to onboard somebody on one single conversation using trust. I love it. No multiple steps, no next meetings, no follow-up. I love it. Um, Ari, I've got a couple other questions that I want to dig into that may or may not be around sales. So I, you, you sent me an amazing gift box when we decided that we wanted to do this. And in the gift box, you had uh, a book in there titled Lessons from Toby. Um, obviously, you know, we could talk sales all day, but that book, when I read through it, that book really connected with me. I, I mentioned this to you earlier. It actually made me cry as I was reading through it. Tell me, tell me about lessons from Toby and, you know, maybe a couple of lessons from that book that I think every entrepreneur should probably know. Sure. Every human being, should every, every, yeah, every human being for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, my son, uh, Toby, uh, when he was born, uh, after about a day after he was born, we were told that he had Down syndrome. And at first, we didn't know what that meant to our lives. And we realized we had, a gift, we had a gift on our hands. If you know someone who has Down syndrome, you know they're very special people. They're very loving. They're transparent. They have no hidden agenda. They're pure in their soul. And he inspired me so much about how he views the world. I wrote a book called Lessons from Toby, which has a lesson uh, every day of the year to think about your life and how you approach people. And I realized... Gosh, I, he's the role model of how we need to become, especially in what? Selling, which is so has so much dysfunctionality in there and so many smoke and mirrors in there. What if, you know, can't we be pure with people finally and just connect with them like he would? And I said to myself, what if one day he goes into sales? How would he be? He'd be so yeah. successful because he'd now have no hidden agenda. He played no games, and he became our role model for and my inspiration for launching this trust-based selling movement. I love it. That's amazing. What What were a couple of the major major lessons? Any other lessons that are in? Because I I read a bunch of them, but what would you say were the biggest ones? I think some of the big ones are the idea of letting go of your own agenda. Yeah. When you're with other people, uh, like not thinking about your own next steps. Like in sales, you know. People always say, oh, Aria, I'm a good listener when I'm with clients. I'm like, yeah, you're listening, but the back of your mind is going. If you're listening with the intention of moving the sales forward, it's not the same. Yeah. 
Correct. You see, because we're so wedded to our outcome. Yeah. That they can feel that from you a mile away. They know you're not yeah. being present. So one of the key lessons from him is I always, always, I, by the way, I always tell people that you can, you can smell sales over the phone, right? So <laughs> your voice tonality, the words that you use prematurely jumping in too early with your solution. So many things that we break eggs on, but the most important thing here is the idea of being present with the other person. Yeah. Not being afraid to step into their world. And most importantly, to focus on their problem-centric, diagnose their problem, and do not prescribe. Islam is like a doctor-patient relationship, where you're the doctor and they're the patient, right? When you go see a doctor, first thing he says to you is, where does it hurt? Yeah. And, and, you, and he goes right into your world. He doesn't waste time with, oh, how's it going? How's the weather? The whole sales thing. Hey, relationship building. Oh, they don't want to become your friend. They just want us to have the problem solved. I've, so, I've got a problem and I need help fixing this thing. Like, can you help me? Correct. And that's the moment you have to create with your prospects when they say to you, how can you help me? Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Um, I got a couple of questions for you personally, Ari, because obviously you've, you've, been, uh, you've been successful in your career. And I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of our audience uh, aspires to get to that point where they can see that form of success. Um, I'm curious, what, how would you define success in your life? I would say really it's about one, not giving up Two, your journey will have S curves in it. There'll be twists and turns where you hit a wall and it all feels like it, how am I going to move forward? I should go get a job now. Yeah. I need more stability. And then that's the moment you have to say to yourself, hold on. Maybe I can solve this somehow. And then you go to the next level up. So I've had a lot of twists and turns in my career, different models that were working, weren't working, but I had to stay consistent with the message and most importantly, be very clear on who your ideal client is because you have to resonate with your market. Resonate is almost like a vibration where they feel like, like you, you said to me when we met, you're like, man, your stuff just connects right down here yeah. or something around that, you know? Yeah. And that's the vibration that you felt with my material. And that's called resonance. You have to be very clear about who you resonate with and make sure the message is precise. Yeah. Do you feel, do you feel that sometimes people in that specific space, do you feel that sometimes people try to resonate with too many people and because of that, they end up resonating with no one? Yeah, I think with the tendency now, because the world's become so commoditized, yeah, that what we try, what most people try and do now, is scream louder. <laughs> they 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 have a megaphone, yeah, versus versus a dog whistle, yeah. The dog whistle, you blow the and only people who heard a certain dogs, like. But we we have this megaphone thing now where we just push it out to the world and we kind of use what I call hopium, hopium is this sort of drug that we kind of hope somebody will find it. Because we're really out there, we have lots of visibility, and somehow it'll just kind of work. And as most are discovering now, screaming louder isn't the answer. Yeah, screaming louder especially doesn't help when everybody's trying to scream louder over each Correct. other. Correct. I love That's that. That's why I always learned from my dad that when the crowds go in this, this direction, always go the opposite. Be contrarian. That's why a lot of my work is all very the opposite of what you're probably used to because it's the only way to innovate. Yeah, I love it. Um, one more question, actually two more questions for you. The first one's the main one. The second one will be a quick one. Um, obviously this podcast being the shit you don't learn in college, what would you say is maybe 
the biggest thing that you wish you were taught in school that you you know now? Well, I guess I wish I was taught how to connect, reach out, and basically build trust with people in business in a way where they don't feel compelled to shop someplace else. Yeah. Well, how can I become a category of one? How can I differentiate early on in my, my career? It took a long time to figure it out. If someone had guided me earlier on, I would have saved myself so many years of, t of figuring this thing out on my own. So that's what I do now. I help entrepreneurs and advisors get really crystal clear in the beginning and give them some clarity and a roadmap so they don't have to deal with my S-curves I had to go through. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, last, last main question. Why'd you move to Australia? My wife being from Australia, I got to know these things. <laughs> Right. Well, I met my wife online on a dating site. Yeah. Twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, she was from Sydney, living in Los Angeles. I was work. I was in San Diego, as you know, and uh, we met online. We started dating there, and then she says, "Why don't you come out to Sydney and visit my family?" I'm like, "Wow, Sydney. That's pretty far, but I'll give it a try." So we came out here, met her family, got engaged, got married, and then life began. So I've been here ever since. Uh, the American accent still remains with me. Um, yeah. A few words here and there, but yeah, I work virtually from here all over the world. Uh, we may have to talk about that because, uh, yeah, just so you're aware, me and my wife met online as well. Uh, we met on Facebook. She ended up flying out here and meeting in San Diego. She's lived out here for the last three years, but That's we're funny. considering at some point moving back to Australia as well. So nice. um, I, this, is, this is more of my own personal digging in case you couldn't tell, um, but super helpful. So thank you for entertaining me there. Um, sure. Last question for our audience, Ari. I think this has been super helpful for everybody. Where can everybody learn more about you, about trust-based selling? Where can they learn how to become a master like you? Two places. First, go to unlockthegame.com, just like it sounds. My books are there. You can get a copy. Uh, I've got a free intro course you can get for free. And we have also uh, offer a consultation for free. And experience what it's like not to be sold. That's a whole new experience for you. Uh, but also on LinkedIn, I'm very accessible there. Connect with me. I, I do a show there once a month, a live show called Stump the Guru. I love where it. Where you can jump in live and throw me your toughest sales challenge and see if I can answer or not. Oh, I connect love with me. It. Let, let me know you heard me here. I love this. I'm going to send all my clients to that one, see if they can see if they can do something there. Bring it on. All right. This has been absolutely great. Thank you so much for your time today. I know our audience is going to get a ton from this. Um, and for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, uh, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of our shit you don't learn in college book. It's a number one bestseller available now. Uh, going to be an absolute game changer. So go to www.sidlickbook.com or check it out on Amazon. Ari, this has been great. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, Xander. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.